it's over 9,000! Super Elite Warriors to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time, and I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host. This is the Bikini. Can we get the hell out of here now? In good time. Yes, listeners, we both survived the hailstorm of raw energy that apparently ransacks this planet every night forcing the natives to shelter in giant retractable shells. We're now packing up some supplies before getting back on our ship and heading out. You survived. Can you not, with the whole drama and the quote-unquote I died thing, you're here. I can clearly see and hear you, and I can touch you, but I'm maintaining something called social distance, which I hear is popular on Yarth. If you'd ever let me explain... One day, maybe you'll have your own podcast, free from the burdens of being an ad- ambassador of the Frieza Force, and then you can regale us all with tales of how you narrowly escaped death over and over and over. But for now, let's focus on getting geared up and getting out of here before another nightfall. I can agree with that much, at least. Say, do you think these creatures are actually natives of this planet? Sure, why not? Okay, well, natives maybe, but do you think they still live here? With all this technology to keep them safe, again, why not? Well, how about the pure fiery energy that rains from the skies every night, making it impossible for any plant life to grow, for one thing? For another, with all the technology they have, why not just leave this hellhole and live on another planet? Without the strength to conquer one? Sure. Why not? I doubt there were ever that many of these things. How could your population ever grow that large when you're sheltering every night from waiting for the sky to explode? To be fair, we haven't done a thorough exploration of whatever sort of underground they may have. Given these cassage eaters have extremely pale, waxy, grayish complexions and don't seem to have the best eyesight, they've probably been living underground for several generations. See, I can know some biology stuff too. Yeah, I'm super impressed. Well, we can talk about how you don't even know their language, Mr. Linguistics and Biology. Hey, I think I'm picking it up a little bit.
he's asking us if he could join us on our mission. Tell him some other time. A mechanic could be useful. Hey, if you want to live with that stench all the time, I can handle it. I don't even think it's that bad. I might even like to try some of this clabbage. Ooh, so close that time. What? Never mind. So what's the verdict on whether we're taking on another crew member here? You've been to just three planets with me so far, and we've encountered how much danger? If you're okay with his blood on your hands, literally, then by all means. Well, when you put it like that... He seems disappointed. I doubt they live a happy life here. He could live no life at all if he comes with us, if it's even a he. Somewhat presumptive of us to use that gendered pronoun. Uh, you forget that you brought me along as a biology expert. He's male. I honestly did forget that in all we've been through. Your skills have yet to come in particularly useful. Do I need to remind you how I correctly theorized that the giant crickets, though that's not exactly what they were, on Orthoptera were infants gathering near the surface for feedings? No, but I probably also don't need to remind you that you're still alive because of me. If you'd ever listened to me, I'd explain that I have died. And hopefully you don't need me to remind you to prep for our topic of discussion today. And today we're going to talk about comparing and contrasting, mostly comparing, giving some notes on the manga for the World Martial Arts Tournament, the 21st Tenkaichi Budokai as compared to the anime, right? We, as we go through, we talk to the anime, but we then, once we hit the end of uh, an arc, we then go back and read the manga. I've got my Viz Bigs here. And we then just talk about how they hit maybe a little different, what they do better, what they do worse, what the anime does better, etc., etc. You know, in, in this in this case, two things. One, real quick. One, unfortunately, if you're if you're reading along and you're buying the Vizbigs, which I have, you need to pick up the second volume. And this one actually spans across the end of volume one and into volume two. Just not my favorite thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> having having to keep the the two kind of out and handy while while we're having this discussion. But uh, the other thing is, this hues pretty close. Like the there's there's not a whole lot of filler. There is a little, but it's it's little things here and there. It's not like entire episodes. It's not even entire chunks of episodes. Like we saw in the first arc, the whole pinball thing was just like 100% filler. You don't really get any lengthy, lengthy chunks of filler like that in this. And so, yes, the manga is still about Goku going to train with Master Roshi, uh, having this minor rivalry with Krillin, who's a bit selfish to begin with. And then they change as they train, and then they enter the tournament and... The, the, the matchups and the battles are all very much the same. There's a couple of minor differences in terms of some of the techniques they use and the little things like that. But then uh, I think I think the ending is, is a little bit different. The anime ends. The anime ends right when they get the bill. For the food. Yeah, that sounds right. 
the manga goes uh, just a step further to end with the characters all parting ways. But so, yes, they're still very much the same. Yeah, a lot of it's mostly like small character moments, kind of like how the peel-off arc we were talking about when we did our, our last comparison, how like the very beginnings structured a little bit differently so that like you're introduced to the to the villains a little bit more early on in the storyline. But yeah, just mostly little stuff like that that, in my opinion, just kind of like enhances the storytelling somewhat. Yeah. I don't know if you want to hit this this one note that we have for the very, like the very, at the very, very beginning has something that's a little bit of a departure compared to where, how the anime starts this arc. All right. So uh, first one I got here, uh, we see Goku's home for the last time until the Cell Saga, in the manga at least. We see him in his home a few times during the anime from here on, but while the manga waits until then to show us Goku has a new home somewhere with Chi-Chi, he's implied to still be living in his original home throughout the anime until the Cell Saga. Uh, I don't know if that's interesting or meaningful, but it, it's, a, it's a thing. <laughs> It is it is a difference, right? When we start the anime, he's already on Nimbus heading towards Master Roshi. And in this, we at least see him go to his home and pack up his stuff. Next up, the big lady. Uh, I believe this is the one that, that Goku brought back. The first one that he brought back for mm-hmm. Roshi to try and become his disciple. Uh, the the uh, how do I put this? Rubenesque woman <laughs> was called as hot as the death of Buddha. This is a Japanese phrase that basically means uh, something similar or along the lines of like fun as fun as cancer uh, or, or something like that. It's pretty obvious from the context, but it's just a different kind of idiom based right. on the different cultures. Next up, I got panties means punch is a word pun that works kind of OK in English because Goku's that naive doofus that he is. Uh, but it's actually much closer wordplay in Japanese because the Japanese word for panties is Pansu, which sounds like someone saying punch in English. Yeah, it's it's um that's when when Master Roshi is is trying to teach Goku like, oh, now I'll start teaching you because he br- brings the mermaid. Right. And he's like, have, go go take a look at her panties. And he's like, what is what are what are panties? And he's like, just just do it. Just just go ask her. <laughs> <laughs> And then she punches Rochi in the face, and he's like, oh, I get it. Panties means punch, and you wanted to show me how you could take a punch. And he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Roshi, you lovable scamp. Yeah, lovable, yeah. Let's go with, let's go with that word. <laughs> yeah, no, that won't get us canceled, I, I promise. Next up, Krillin isn't teased out to readers prior to his arrival at Roshi's Island. This is a manga thing. In the anime, he's, he's sort of like introduced in these interstitial scenes with like Yamcha and, and Bulma and Oolong as they're traveling home and, and all of the misadventures that they have. He sort of shows up as this sort of background element. Uh, we don't get to see this, obviously, in the manga, so he's not quite built up as much, which, in my opinion, is a little bit of a loss. Yeah, yeah. I, in terms of something the anime does better, I think that. Yeah, because I think it sets a baseline for what to expect from Krillin, whereas in the manga, he just shows up. So there's really no way to know what he's actually capable of. Right. One other thing is we've been saying Krillin, but that's because we're disciples of the anime to begin with, not the manga. His name is, in fact, translated more closely to the Japanese version. 
more along lines of something like could it in. Yeah. So it's more it's more multiple R's as opposed to L's. Yeah. You know, we haven't done our Krillin centric episode yet. That's something that I'm sure I'm sure there's some meaning behind that name. You know, I mean, none of these characters have names that just mean name. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the specifics are behind it. But yeah, it's 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 funny because this is this is kind of one of those things as someone who has never touched the manga, not even the English translations of it. I just always assumed that in the manga, his name was still translated as Krillin. And fans were kind of pretentious a little bit when they kept calling him Kiddin, you know? I was like, mm-hmm. come on, get over yourselves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when really, you're the Philistine. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I'll eat some crow on that. But I'm still going to say Krillin because I grew up with the It's anime. a reflex at this point. Yeah. There's a fun joke about Goku not having the stomach for the training, and he replies with, ah, what are you talking about? I have plenty of stomach. Yeah, it's a good one. Quick, quick aside. How does Goku know what a pachinko ball is? He doesn't know what cars are. He can't differentiate men from women, and he doesn't even know what a refrigerator is. So how does he know what a pachinko is? Yeah, when he, when he calls, he says Krillin's head is like as shiny as a pachinko ball. I don't know. Did did Grandpa Gohan like to play some pachinko? I'm I'm wondering maybe if Grandpa Gohan had a little bit of a gambling problem, yeah. Have you ever seen some of the uh the wild like cinematics that they do for pachinko machines in Japan? Oh yeah, their pachinko machines are insane. For those of you that don't know, pachinko is is it's not exactly uh, pinball it's it's different but it's the same idea of like this large machine you play with these little steel balls but and they have different themes just like uh uh pinball machines do so you'll you'll find stuff like you'll find godzilla themed she- uh, machines uh video game themed sport themed like that like they have like countless different variations of them right but whereas whereas pinball machines are more like Brightly colored lights and stuff flashing. When you do something good in a pachinko machine, depending on the machine, obviously, but like some of them will have like crazy involved, specifically made for the machine cinematics that pop up that like tell a story. And <laughs> and I could see how that could be something that could be like really addictive. Right? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Like oh, which I gotta... is, which adds an extra spin on it because if I understand correctly, technically gambling is illegal in Japan. Hmm. Or this type like so the the idea behind the pachinko machine is you go into one store and you buy pachinko balls and then you go across the street to the pachinko parlor to play pachinko. And then when you're done, you go back across the street and you sell your pachinko balls back to the stand for money. Interesting. I see what you're doing there, Japan, and I like it. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, Google it. It's really interesting, and there's like all these little subculture things around it. It's really awesome. And and as a, I'll just speak as a Godzilla fan, which I've never mentioned before on this show. Pachinko. There's a whole series of vignettes of Godzilla pachinko 
battles that it, like Godzilla versus Gigon and Godzilla versus like Ghidorah and stuff that like were created specifically for a pachinko machine and were some of the final tokusatsu or man in suit effects stuff ever made by Toho Studios for Godzilla. All right, next up, we got Launch is translated in the manga as Lunch. Again, we were raised on the anime like real black backwater planet Hicks, so uh, we just say Launch instead of Lunch. Um, and then I think there's also like a couple puns that involve her name that don't translate well to English because in English her name is Launch. Yeah, yeah, we talked a lot about that. The next one I got, see, it comes across much better and funnier that Krillin is trying to be discreet about Roshi going to the bathroom, and then Goku just says, oh, he's taking a dump, and I'm starting to notice a trend in the level of humor that amuses us here. <laughs> it just, it comes across a smidge better in the manga, I think, and that's probably just a, a Toriyama's art thing, and it's, it's, I'm a big fan of, like, smash cut humor, you know, where, like, you kind of build up characters doing something, and you smash cut to them doing it but in a hilarious way i think that then plays a little bit more like smash cut humor in a manga where it's paneled out yeah i could see that and the, the, that kind of plays i mean toriyama's got some really nice uh framework as far as like how his pages flow from 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 frame to frame so it makes sense that like obviously this is going to play over pretty well when it's playing to one of his strengths right Next one I got here, we see less of Launch's origin in the manga. Yeah, so she just shows up on a motorcycle and Goku and Krillin come across her, essentially. None of the stuff about, like, robbing a train or being a wanted woman or being in the middle of a a, a shootout with uh, cops, if I remember right. Well, there's a shootout with the cops where they're chasing her, but there's not that scene. Oh, that's right. It's that scene in the bar. Yes, that's the part that I'm misremembering. Yeah. Krillin says Launch's face is, quote, kind of little girly, end quote. This is likely Toriyama attempting a little self-deprecating excuse for himself. He thinks whenever he draws a girl that they all have the same face. He's, he's admitted this publicly before. We mentioned once before that he doesn't like to feature women at the center of his stories because he doesn't think young boys will want to read about girls. Um, but another reason is also that he thinks all of his women look the same and it kind of embarrasses him. I don't Aww. know that I fully agree. I have I am I'm one of those people who like a new hairstyle like blows me away. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't I don't recognize you if you curl your hair. Like so it's it I would have to see like a drawing of Bulma and a drawing of Launch with no hair. Kind of see his point because I mean I've known countless people who, when I'd be watching the anime, would look at the screen and go, why does everyone look the same? But I, I also kind of agree, in my own opinion, that I, I don't I don't see it. Like, to me, to, when it comes to, to comics in general, like, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do to make a character's face look different. But a lot of times, is it's just, like, breaking up their outline or, or having, like, different silhouettes for characters is enough to, to kind of help with that differentiations Toriyama's really good at character design and you can see that in a lot of the ways that he does like the silhouettes of the characters so yeah I'd, I I don't know if I'd agree with his opinion but I, I still think it's adorable that he's a little embarrassed about yeah. it 
here's another one. Uh, before turning the house into a capsule, this is when they're leaving the island to go train on the other island. Uh, Roshi asks if everyone is outside. So what does this mean about how capsules work? I also kind of had this thought about transformers with that have people riding inside them, but that's that's well, we we could touch on that some other time. But it was just a sort of a tangential thought that I had. What do, like how do I mean? I guess you can't get into the science of how something totally fictional and fantastical maybe, works, but <laughs> maybe maybe transformers have that pocket space we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, hammer hammer space. Hammer space. That's what it is. So. <laughs> Everything in a capsule stays pretty much exactly the same, except that it doesn't maintain its weight, right? When you transform it into a capsule. Right. So is there like, when you transform something into a capsule, does it like somehow, if it's a living person, it like spaghettifies you? If you were inside of a capsule when it got transformed, would you be killed? Because, I mean, yeah, it sort of implies that horrible things will happen to people if they're still inside the house when you turn it into a capsule. Right, because otherwise you would just be like – you would just have this whole system of transportation set up where you'd be like, all right, I need to go on a long trip. Just pop me into a capsule and, like, you carry me. <laughs> and then throw me in an envelope and let me go through the mail. I'll be fine. <laughs> I've got three weeks of food in the fridge. Uh Another thought I had, I think Launch plays a little bit better in the anime. Uh, we talked about how she's fairly fun, and it wouldn't be terrible to see her again for a gag here or there. But in the manga, when panels and pages are devoted to her, and the same joke kind of over and over, it sort of loses its flair, and it just kind of gets a little bogged down. So it's easier to see like how or why, when reading the manga, Toriyama just sort of lost interest in the character. Because he was sort of using her in, in just like a, a very one-note fashion, and he wasn't really doing anything else that was interesting with her. Yeah, I agree. It, in in something like the manga, especially where you're so trying to economize for the time and, and make interesting to look at art, Launch just – she doesn't quite cut it. So I guess we'll put, we'll put that one as another win in the animes column though. You know? True. I also want to point out this is the second time that we forget about lunch in this series. First time being when Goku leaves with Bulma and they go back to his house for lunch and then never have lunch and just leave. <laughs> uh, in the anime, Roshi tells Goku that Gohan never once complained about the training, but in the manga he never mentions this. Uh, it's an interesting deviation that makes the moment a little bit more wholesome and a little less manipulative. Agreed. The last one I got, during training, Krillin doesn't try to cheat at zigzagging in the manga, nor does Roshi deal with the construction crew to negotiate a payment for the boys for their work. Not the major, but I, I, me personally, I like that in the anime that Krillin does try to cheat because it's very in character for him at that point. Yeah. And then when you see him later on, like actually put in the effort and, and devote himself to it and see that he gets much more growth out of that than trying to be clever. Uh, it's it's a nice moment. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah, getting into some of these notes that we have on the on the training, you'll see people from time to time complain about the time jump in the training and say like, oh, it only shows us the bare minimum and we don't get to see them overcoming it. But like, I disagree with that. I, I've, I've 
I've mentioned it'd be nice to get maybe another moment or two with Krillin just to see him come along a little better and become a little more sympathetic, a little more gradually get less selfish. But the training itself, I think I think we get more than enough of it. We get to see how hard it is before they get additional weight put on them. And then we can just imagine how hard it would be every single day. Also, I like I think people that say like, well, we don't get to see them overcome adversity. I, I don't know if that's exactly what the point of the training is. It's it's less about like overcoming this thing and having it become trivial as much as it is enduring it for the sake of improving on themselves. Yeah. When they move the boulders and then Roshi's eyes pop out of his sunglasses, that's a real like there's that's a really cool visual gag in the manga. That's a like a nice classic Looney Tunes moment there. Yeah, it's like that's another that's one of those moments where Toriyama's art really just pops. They're not given their suits by launch in the manga and in the, in the anime. She gives them the suits. I think she even says like she bought them in town or she made them for them, maybe one but, of the two. Yeah, but they just they just show up wearing them uh and then at the end of i i noted it it's at the end of chapter 32 there's a splash page and there's a character who has a name on his sleeve in the viz big version that i'm reading the name on the sleeve is rudiasa but in the original and possibly in other translations or something it's budiasa this is a real person that Toriyama met when he was in Bali. He's a tour guide, or at least he was when Toriyama visited in the 80s and still was as of, I'd say, probably like 2017, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, so this, fairly recent. This dude must have been pretty damn good at his job, though, for Toriyama to immortalize him in the manga. Like, he's a pretty prominent character if you look at that splash page again. There's, I could I could I could picture that. There's like three people on the page, maybe four, and he's one of the ones that's very just prominently right on there with Goku, with Krillin, with Master Roshi. Boom. There's this there's this Budiasa character. Oh, it's it's they're at the they're at the check-in table. I, I pulled it up to look at it. They're at the check-in table. And it, you see the back of Roshi, the guy checking them in, the two of them, and then on the far left, there's this Budiasa guy. So a little bit with with them getting their geese or their their dogies, as they're also called, we see in the manga, and I don't recall this happening as much in the in the anime. Maybe I just kind of overlooked it because it's it's very short, and in in an anime, it's very easy to overlook little short moments. Whereas in the manga, if there's a panel for it. You notice it. Krillin mentions he needs to prove himself worthy of it. And this is like that nice little moment that I was kind of saying I wanted. It shows how he's changed. So we get like a little bit of a smidge of him becoming more sympathetic and saying things to himself about being less selfish. And bearing on 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 Krillin, we we haven't talked about because we haven't done our Krillin episode, uh, but it bear it bears mentioning and it rears its head big time throughout this arc. He's pretty pessimistic in general. This is like a character trait of his. I would say his lack of self confidence is probably his big character flaw. You know, we talk about each 
each of the characters that we come across has like some great pieces to them and then like one big character flaw. And and this is, you know, this is Krillin's. He has no self-confidence. He heads into every fight not really believing that he can win. And that's completely counter to Goku and especially later on Vegeta. These characters who have just full confidence in themselves. One of them to the extent that when he is even challenged, let alone beaten, he completely crumbles in on himself like a dying star. (laughs) Krillin will very often kind of hold himself back because he doesn't think he can do it. And you see yeah. that when he's fighting Jackie Chun and he's like, "Whoa, he moved too fast for me to see. And Goku's like, just calm down and like, trust your training and like believe in yourself because if I can see it, you can see it. Yeah. And I, I also think him being pessimistic, it, it, I think it fits with the character. And for me, it kind of explains like why when he first shows up at Roshi's, he's got like that little bit of a chip on his shoulder concerning Goku because he left his last place of training because he was being bullied and because he didn't think he was good enough to stay there and persevere. So when he gets to Roshi's place and he sees that there's another student, he's immediately like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to be better than this guy, but I should pretend like I am so that I don't get picked on like I was the last time. Yeah, I I think for me, it, it plays so much into what makes Krillin maybe my favorite non Goku or Vegeta character because he's it he's got that underdog thing going on you definitely know? and I think that that gets played up in one of the later tournaments specifically I'm thinking of when he fights Piccolo I think it's the third tournament that's that's the third one to kind of highlight the fact that he he was this pessimistic person at first when he gets to that fight he decides to put his best effort forward and it actually surprises Piccolo how tough and and durable and strong he is as a fighter yeah i I like krillin so <laughs> all moments with him getting a little more character development are always great and then speaking though of the of the geese is this a thing so because you're you're reading a different version than the viz bigs does mm-hmm. goku's skin have a different shading to it for like a few pages or chapters after initially getting his gi I, I didn't notice, honestly. It's so like I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe just a Viz thing or, or or something else. It's like blatantly obvious in the in the Viz Big version that his skin is because like his his skin is not shaded at all in the right normal like the black and white manga. But but immediately after getting his gi for a little bit, it's in the Viz Big. It's shaded. It's just shaded. Um, hmm. It's just something I noticed. In the anime, the car- the announcer says Gakea instead of Goku. In the manga, he says Song Oku instead of Son Goku. It's a we talked about the mispronunciation joke in general and how there's like two different ways to read the kanji or the katakana or the I'm sorry for mixing those two things up <laughs> of Goku's name. And there's like an old school pronunciation and a new school one. And that's the confusion in the Japanese. It that I think the joke plays a little better in the manga because of song 
Oku rather than like Gakea is like what are you stupid? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and I think that that obviously that primarily comes down to the difference between Japanese and English. Yeah. Then there's we get the splash page at the end of chapter 35 which is the splash page that lines up our eight quarter finalists against each other where it's got that like the big like um headshots yeah, of the four panels of of the head to heads and then it's got the tournament bracket in the middle yeah which i agree i love this but mostly just because goku's pictures him with like food all over his face and a big protruding belly <laughs> coming out of his shirt <laughs> yeah, and he's pulling his pants up <laughs> You know, because when you eat a lot, like, you know, at Space Thanksgiving, you, you know, you undo your belt a little bit. So you got some more room to cram food in. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned in our when we were talking about the anime that Toriyama drops in words like Sturgis and Kent. And he has Clark Kent because he's dropping in references to like the type of paper he uses and motorcycle rallies and things. And I couldn't remember the names of the pens. It's Luma. Someone in someone in one of the chapters is wearing a Luma shirt. Oh, we finally have an answer to this question. That was that was one of the biggest. Um, that was a big mystery. I'm glad we solved that. It was one of the biggest unresolved plot threads in in this podcast's history. So remember where you were, folks, when this moment happened. <laughs> uh, did did you notice the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? No, but I'm starting to think maybe I'm blind because I missed a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, on the on the page before Goku and Krillin get their numbers uh, for the qualifiers, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is standing behind them. I completely missed that. I don't know how I didn't see it. Yeah, and then and then Roshi. There's a funny joke with him where he says Nam looks like he belongs in a better comic. <laughs> I love a good fourth wall break. And he says that like throughout. He's like, he's like, you seem like you're from a battle manga, not a carnival like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, I, I think the Ronfon fight with Nam is better in terms of the action. But then there's there's still a, a there's still a bit of a yikes line. <laughs> she says there always again. there always are these early these early chapters of Dragon Ball. <laughs> As she's fighting him, she takes off all her clothes and she's like, you know, because he's like, I'm going to beat you now. And she's like, "Ooh, I guess I'm licked. Or maybe I just want to be. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> There's then a funny joke, too, when Giron, Giron is first introduced and Oolong is like, oh, like we don't have enough Japanese monsters. Like that's a <laughs> that's a solid joke. <laughs> And then in the end, in the end of chapter 39, there's a, a somewhat unfortunate liberty taken with the translation where the, the, the end is, is Goku. I think that's where he gets like knocked down by Nam, but it goes, is this the end of Goku? Then how do you explain Dragon Ball Z? Toriyama has never referred to the Z portion as Z. It's just all Dragon Ball from beginning to end. And we all know that he writes flying by the seat of his pants, so he wouldn't even know there was a fun, or he wouldn't even know there was a Z. Exactly the point I was going to make. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a fun joke, but like 
I also, while I'm sitting here reading this, I'm wondering, was was that in there at all? Was there any sort of like, is this the end of Goku? But how do you explain next week's episode, next week's issue? Or was that not in there at all? Do you know what I mean? You no, know, that's a that's a great question. Uh, let me let me see if I can pull that up really quick. Yeah, no, it just says Goku trapped in an unbelievable turn of events. Just what will happen next? Okay. So that's not even in the, the version that I have. So there you go. The Vizbig has a... It's weird. It's it's like a funny joke, but it is at the expense of any kind of accuracy. <laughs> Speaking of accuracy, Goku says Launch taught him how to count in the anime, but Roshi's the one who teaches him in the manga. Yeah, when they have their uh, study lessons. <laughs> yes, which he hates, but he yes. does anyways because he's a good student. In the Japanese, Bulma says she knew Goku was – oh, this this is a little iffy, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bulma says she knew Goku was younger than he claimed because he had no pubic hair. In English, this gets changed to he didn't notice that she was a hot babe. Got to be honest, kind of prefer the English version on this one. Really? Uh, yeah, the, the other one comes off a little – weird i guess i don't know it's probably just the the I, I i i don't know it just makes me a little uncomfortable talking about what is clearly a child's pubic region <laughs> yeah but i mean she does see him naked right because he takes a bath in front of her no I, I like i understand that yeah they've had <laughs> plenty of opportunities for her to see that it's just weird that that's the comment that she makes when she could have just been like, yeah, I figured he was younger than he said he was. We don't really need any more explanation than that, do we? I think I prefer the pubic hair comment as opposed to Bulma continuing to sexualize herself. <laughs> oh, man. Twist that knife a little bit more in my back, don't you? <laughs> Jeez. All right. I got one for you. How does Krillin get a bloody nose versus Jackie Chun when we established in his fight versus Bacterian that he doesn't have a nose? He just gets a cut where his nose would be. <laughs> oh, okay. That's con that's convenient. <laughs> Goku says, I can't hit a drunk in the manga when he's fighting Jackie Chun using the drunken fist. Uh, in the anime, he says he's never seen a drunk person before. So it's another little... Just tiny Small little difference. differences, right? Yeah. The manga has a mad dog attack that, like, is used before he uh, Goku starts using the monkey style in response. Uh, and it's just a pun based on Japanese homophones between the Japanese word for dog and the Japanese word for fist. Yeah, he says something, and Jackie, like, even Jackie Chun is like, "You idiot! Like, that means that means fist, not dog." <laughs> like. <laughs> In the manga, Jackie Chun's hypnosis is a lullaby. Uh, this is more true to the Japanese as opposed to the anime where he just says something like, you know, go to sleep or whatever. Yeah. He, it, was very, it was very much not a lullaby. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. In the anime, he just like stares in his eyes and he's like, you sleep now. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I guess he hypnotized him. In the, in the anime, yeah, he sings him – or in the manga, he sings him – in in the Vizbig, it's it's translated, I think, as like Rockabye Baby. Like it's uh Yeah, it's something similar to that if I remember correctly. And in the and in the I'm sure in the Japanese it's some, you know, 
traditional lullaby that they all know. Makes sense to me. Uh, the manga also kind it, it makes kind of funnier use of the hypnosis itself as the announcer says he's not sure if it counts as martial arts. And Jackie Chun says, I gave it a fancy name, didn't I? <laughs> Which is kind of like also sort of poking fun at, at, at uh, battle manga in general where like characters have these crazy names for their signature moves and whatnot. Yeah, and th- this is something that – because we could do a whole episode and again, I think we will – one day on like the Kamehameha and the meaning behind the name and where it all kind of comes from. But it's something that Toriyama was asked about that. So you're going to hear this again in, you know, 50 or 60 episodes from now from us. But when, when Toriyama was asked about like, where'd you come up with the Kamehameha? He kind of was like, I didn't want to name any of the attacks, but you know, Torishima insisted. He's like, but I think it's stupid. That, that, <laughs> that, it's, I, it's, it's particularly funny to me because like this series has some bangers for, for names, like stuff like hell zone grenade destructo disc. Uh, like what you yeah. <laughs> hate naming your stuff, but you have all these awesome names for attacks. <laughs> and he just, he thinks like, he, he's like, I think it's, it's stupid. Right. Because he, he wants to portray this idea that, that these things are all happening in a matter of like less than blinks of an eye. And he, he doesn't yeah. like the idea of, of the characters pausing to say, Kamehameha. Like, it, I mean, and I agree with him. It is kind of a ridiculous premise on the surface. Like, I'm going to stand here and telegraph exactly what I'm going to do before I do it. Seems kind of silly. For, but it's the trope, man. You got to do manga. it. I, I know. And I, we, all, we all love the tropes. Let's be honest. We all love the tropes. But realistically, yes, it is silly. Yes. In the anime, after giving Goku and Krillin their final speech about how there will always be stronger opponents, Roshi says he should record his speeches for later use. In the manga, he just sort of wonders if he could have just given them the speech instead of actually having to fight in the tournament. couple quick notes on the covers. Uh, Toriyama likes to draw cars a lot. He's a car guy, loves drawing cars, uh, but when it makes his editors so angry. They ask if like this is a car manga or if like the main characters are always driving around or something, uh, they take him to task for these covers that don't actually reflect the material in the manga itself. And Toriyama always says he will do better and then just draws a car on the next cover, repeating the whole process over and over again. Yeah. If you look at the covers, they're all like someone in like a flying car or a classic car or like Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't think of a I can't think of a cover art off the top of my head that actually reflects like what's happening in the manga. Not not in the earlier episode like the earlier chapters, right? I mean there's some stuff yeah. like when you get later, like there's some splash cover art of like Piccolo and Goku facing off, but in these earlier ones, yeah, no, it's just like people like tootling around in cars yeah uh on the cover of chapter 31 there's a car with a stick on the hood that says john book this is the name of harrison ford's character in the movie witness which toriyama says is his all-time favorite movie really quick how many all-time favorite movies does this guy have because i think we're up to like four now aren't we at least three right drunken master drunken master enter the dragon enter the dragon enter the dragon witness witness yeah that's that's four yeah what there oh alien i think alien he said oh, yeah. was another one so that's five 
That's right. <laughs> I got. I mean, I, I can't blame him because, like, on any given day, if somebody asks me what my favorite movie is, it's going to change depending on my mood. Right. And and yeah. And especially if I'm, if someone's asking me like specific questions about this or that, I'd be like, "Oh, that's my favorite." Oh, that's my favorite. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, we're up to five favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Right on. Well, well, don't worry, folks. We'll keep a tab and as, as we add movies to this because I'm sure we're not done yet. Right, right. So um, we see some cool things in these final matches with, with beam battles, characters powering up with key, with auras around them, the supernatural techniques used in battle, giant monsters. Some of this we've seen before, but it gets amplified and turned into a much more battle-centric kung fu kind of flair here. This is something... Dragon Ball borrowing elements of a, a genre called wuxia, which um, is a genre of Chinese entertainment defined by, and let's see how much of this sounds familiar, stories set in a fantasy world, a fantasy world that is very similar to China, but explicitly not identically China. A world inhabited by monsters with secret communities of martial artists who spawn a young idealistic hero who trains with a master. Supernatural battles of all kinds. Characters facing death and persevering in the face of death and showing mercy to enemies even in the face of certain death. Use of key, intense battles, and quests for a grand life goal. I gotta be honest, I'm I'm not coming up with anything. I have no idea where I, this could have possibly come up. Oh, okay. Yeah. None of that sounds familiar at all. Oh, well. I guess it's irrelevant <laughs> then. <laughs> um, Alright, podcast done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not clear where Toriyama gets this inspiration from uh, to feature so many elements of, of Wuxia in Dragon Ball. Because Wuxia itself is not a well-exported genre to Japan until the later 80s. And by then, Dragon Ball is already popular. It's it's unlikely that it's coincidental, but we don't know where it comes from because there's, there's elements of wuxia in lots of the kung fu movies that Toriyama watches, but nothing super, super overt like some of the things featured in Dragon Ball with people fighting monsters, battling demons with their key specifically, and these beam fights. It's, it's an interesting crossover that... For once, we are stumbling on finding any, like, direct, obvious parallel in terms of inspiring Toriyama's work. Certainly, I could probably point to any number of things that came out after this that that are, you know, super similar, but nothing quite before. So either he managed to bury these influences well enough that no one can spot them explicitly, or... Somehow it is happenstance and it is coincidence. And Toriyama's just love of Kung Fu, Disney, because we talked about how he likes 101 Dalmatians was like a light bulb moment. And he loves oh, having talking add animals. Add that to the list. That's six movies. <laughs> but is his Kung Fu, his Disney, his gags, his direct and indirect inspirations pulled from Journey to the West and Jackie Chan. All those things just by happenstance mix. And they when you mix those things together, they have a very wuxia-like flavor. Uh, it's like 
that's somehow improbable and yet partially believable because I don't really understand these concepts, maybe the way someone who's more learned on this stuff would. Apparently, there's like a little bit more specificity in, in some of this that just no one's quite sure where it exactly comes from. But it's also just interesting that this is a whole genre of storytelling in 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 Chinese entertainment, right? Of like using beam battles and a grand life goal, training under a master, et cetera, well, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever heard the phrase, a great artist steals everything? No, I actually haven't, honestly. Okay, well, it's kind of I've... this idea that like a great artist will pull ideas from a bunch of places, much like Toriyama has done. But in the end, it's not just this amalgamation of all of these things that they like. They also add... Uh, a little bit themselves and then sort of reincorporate all of those things and come up with something new. I'm kind of in the uh, it's purely coincidence camp. Hmm. I'm not saying I, I think, I'm not saying you're wrong because I kind of lean towards that, too. Right. Of like. If you mix all those things together. That he's directly influenced by. That he had even admits then, he's influenced by it. You come out with then, something and that then has... he adds he adds his uh his laziness to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he uh he, he adds his um his own special flair to it, I think. And I, I think that's what makes Dragon Ball Dragon Ball and more than just the sum of all of these things that he likes. Right. Right. Uh, so again, that's it. The end of Dragon Ball shift from gags to battle, although further shifts happen throughout, one of which we're about to undergo, uh, from being purely battle and tournament driven to being more adventure oriented, like, say, Indiana Jones or James Bond, uh, incorporating elements from Bruce Lee's Game of Death. Uh, the next arc, which we will discuss in the coming weeks, is the longest of the Dragon Ball portion of the story, covering something like 40 episodes of the anime and almost 40 episodes of the, uh, of the, or 40 chapters, I should say, of the manga. Uh, it's broken apart into three sub arcs, but Goku will be dealing with the Red Ribbon Army for the entirety of those three mini arcs. So there will be other sagas and arcs that will be longer, especially those of you that consider the start of uh, Namek as the start of the Frieza arc, or the introduction of uh, Future Pro Chunks as the beginning of the Cell Saga. Uh, but the next major story will be Dragon Ball's first foray into more epic, sweeping, long-form storytelling. How will that play? Well, you'll have to keep listening to us and definitely don't read or watch ahead because that would be cheating and find out. <laughs> that is the the manga. That's kind of all the notes we really had and everything. But, you know, well, the one other one I had, because I thought this was like just more of a a little bit of a longer discussion to a, to an extent that we could have about this is... You know, Yamcha. Yamcha in the anime is teased throughout as training. Right? We see him training in the forest, perfecting his wolf fang fist. We see him training in the city. Bulma makes him get a haircut. And then he shows up in the anime. Uh, right when they get there, in fact. And, in, in you know, they have this sort of uh, re reunion at the gates of the tournament. Hey, look, it's my friends from last time. Oh, cool. In the manga, Yamcha's just a 
like a surprise. Like he just shows up. It's like a callback almost. Yeah, and it's like halfway through the qualifiers too. I think he shows up. Like yeah, not even at the beginning. And I think this is an interesting discussion because you and I talked about just just very briefly offline uh, before we started recording. And you mentioned that you thought it was the anime streamlining the story. Yeah, I definitely. Um, and it it kind of starts with with Krillin's introduction, really. Although I guess you could technically go all the way back to the very beginning when we're first introduced to Pilaf because that's also different from the manga. But uh, for this particular arc, it starts with with Krillin kind of having those quick scenes sort of in the background of, of the other characters trying to make their way home to establish who he is and what his abilities are. Um, and then this is the same thing. It's it's trying to show explicitly Yamcha's growth uh, before he actually gets to the tournament. And I feel like it 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 kind of makes it more believable um, because we don't really get a good baseline for Yamcha's abilities when he's fighting Goku because Goku was hungry, so he loses <laughs> all of his strength. Um, so there was there was nobody had really pushed him or anything to this point. It also does. Uh, and you're you're familiar with wrestling, so you you've probably heard of a jobber before. Mm-hmm. It also kind of sets him up as a jobber. A little bit better in the anime as well because you're you're seeing all of this growth that Yamcha has. You're seeing him become a legitimate contender for the tournament uh, prior to the tournament, so that when he roundly gets his butt kicked by Jackie Chan in the finals, it it kind of shows how strong Roshi is by comparison. Yeah, it's, it's so. This is, I just think it's interesting because I don't think you're wrong. But but what I'll say is that and now I'm I'm extrapolating a little bit towards the next arc that we're about to go through the Red Ribbon Army stuff. How dare you? If you look at those kind of three arcs, the way they're presented in, I'll say in the manga, even though I haven't read the Red Ribbon Army stuff in the manga, but but I'll flip and say the manga for these two and then the anime for that one. The the common through line is Goku, and there are no other like supporting characters that are a super common through line. I mean, we do have Roshi a little bit, um, in in this, and he was also introduced in the peel off stuff. But it's Goku goes on an adventure and then says bye bye to those characters, and then goes on his next adventure, and then says bye bye to those characters, and then goes on his next adventure. Yeah, it becomes very episodic. And I just think it's kind of an interesting, like, shift in the anime to include them right there from the beginning, whereas a manga reader would see Yamcha and be, like, surprised by it. And maybe pleasantly, I don't know, surprised that, like, oh, this character's back. It's almost like the 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 MCU a little bit in its early goings when you would be surprised to see certain characters like pop up in the backgrounds of things. Uh, you're th- I'm thinking specifically like the, the end credits for Iron Man when he shows up in the bar with the general there from uh, incredible Hulk. Yeah. And there's, there's other, like the ends of all the initial like phase one MCU stuff would like constantly <clears throat> have some little stinger or tease. And like, 
I don't know. It just it, it was like a surprising thing. You'd be like, oh, it, it's all coming together. These days, yes, it's all together, and f- no one like. I'm I've I have now transitioned away from being like genuinely surprised or excited by any of those stingers and just being like, duh, you know, (laughs) because that's fair, because of course they're going to be making more of these. It's a it's it's just super. And that's almost they've made made like what, like 22 now? Of course, they're going to make more. Yeah. And they they all make a billion dollars. Of course, of course, they're making more. Um, That gravy train ain't stopping. And that's almost how I feel about. Not including Yamcha throughout in the manga a little bit of like you then end up being surprised when these characters show up again later. Sure. And it it plays as like a fun callback. Yes. Now we, you and I both know that like in a, in a weird way after that, after the red ribbon army saga ends, we, we shift again and we go back to, characters are going to be reappearing like that's going to be a thing now right because yeah we get into the next tournament the the 22nd tenkaichi budokai with um with tien as like the main antagonist and we get you know yamcha reappears again and krillin and roshi and all those characters like that now becomes sort of the universe that we're living in but the discovery of that is still kind of teased and hinted and on display and it's being found out as we're going along in the, in the manga and the, the anime has the benefit admittedly, right. Of Mm -hmm. it, it is running well after the manga. And so it, it knows that those characters are going to continue to appear. Right. And that, that was going to be what I was going to bring up is that I think this is a difference in the mediums more than it is differences in storytelling because like when we were talking about fillers previously, it's when, you know, the anime production catches up with the manga and then they've got to kind of like meander until the the manga pro, pro, uh, progresses enough for them to continue their storyline. And I think little things like this, little tweaks to, to already established uh, story to kind of like fill in other little spots is a great way to one, fill out time in an episode as well as also delay that, that, that point where they catch up and they have to do filler whole filler episodes as it is. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. Is there any other, any other things you think it does? Is there anything you think it, it does particularly well that the, that the anime doesn't do anything you think? Um, I I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to maintain just from what we said the last time about the monk, like the art just sings for me. Like, Oh yeah. The arts top, top notch stuff. Um, and, and just, by having those like that freeze frame moment in time sort of paneling and, and the, the comic-y sort of attitude to it, it just it, it makes the art itself pop a lot more. Uh, yeah, I mean, Toriyama's clearly even this early on in his career, he really knows what he's doing frame to frame. And I also tend like I, I mean, me personally, I was I've been a comic book nerd most of my life. So the idea of you know, looking at still shots and, and piecing together what's going on is, is sort of ingrained in me. I think the idea of, of having that sort of freeze framing, letting an artist flesh that out in the end, just like it's going to be higher quality than a piece of animation that has to do hundreds of frames. So I don't know. Any, anything else you want to touch on? 
Uh, nope. That's that's all the the points that I have. So cool. I think we're good. Cool. Man, look at this place. It seems pretty stripped down. How much of our flooring did you tell the cabin eaters they could take? I just started speaking their language a few hours ago. I either told them take as much as they need or as much as they want. Or just all of it, apparently. Well, like I said, I just started speaking the language. Yeah, and what a language it is. Click, click. Obviously, nobody on the Freezer Force speaks this language because the stream of obscenities that you just let fly would make even the sleaziest crime lord blush. Oh. Aw. Uh, so anyway, that puts a bow on the first two story arcs of Dragon Ball. Sort of. Sort of? Uh, eventually, you'll see what I mean. Oh, yeah. Tickle my balls a little with the tease. <laughs> that... That's as good of a place as any to take our leave of you listeners. With our ship finally in working order, we're about to head out. Did Bikini get a nav point to the nearest Frieza planet so we can make re full repairs? Uh-oh. Will our patchwork repairs and largely missing floors hold up long enough to make the return trip? Find out next time and help us achieve our final forum. <laughs> Final Form is written and produced by Tom Gwelly. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Gwelly. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership. 